Summer's here. I'm for that. I got my rubber sand, got my straw hat, I got my cold beer. I'm just glad that it's here. <laughs> Ah, JT, ah, James Taylor, and his brother wrote that song, Livingston Taylor, just in case I'm, I go down a little uh, James Taylor hole, and I use less than 10 seconds, so I think we're fine, but that's one of my favorite songs. It's a little obscure, but it's a good song. This is the Pre-Accident Podcast. I am so glad you're here. I'm Todd Conklin, your host uh, for today's discussion, and uh, it's going to be a good one. I, I think I started with the summer uh, song from James Taylor. Mostly because uh, I've spent a lot of time talking to my Canadian friends this week, and they have suffered a horrible fake spring. Which, if you don't know what fake spring is, it's uh, it's something that happens if you live I, probably probably everywhere. I I only live in the mountains, so Santa Fe, where I live, is in the mountains. We're pretty high up in the mountains, and it always happens in April and May where it gets really beautiful, like beautiful, like perfect weather. You want to go outside and just hang out and plant things and lay in the grass and those kind of things. And it makes you think that spring is on the way. And then the next day it'll snow and it, it snows a lot. I mean, it's a lot of snow. The cool thing about fake spring is that the snow doesn't last very long because it gets warm again, but it kind of hurts your psyche. I think that's why the poets say April is the cruelest month because it is kind of a cruel month, at least on our hemisphere for sure. I don't know. You guys probably have the same thing in the Southern hemisphere as well. You just have it at a different time. So fake spring, that's what the summer, uh, summer's here song is all about. Today's podcast is interesting because I I've really been challenged and I, I wanted to share part of that challenge with you as we progress through our little discussion today. It won't be a long one, but I think it's something to think about. And, and that is why doesn't brittle collapse of processes, systems, jobs, work, tasks, why doesn't brittle collapse happen much more often? And I actually think that discussion is a worthwhile discussion to have. Now, I can cut to the chase. I can tell you why we don't have brittle collapse all the time, why it's rare and unusual and oftentimes catches us by surprise. And the answer is because workers are constantly adapting. They're constantly detecting and correcting in real time. And they're actually solving problems before they have high consequence. That notion of understanding why brittle collapse isn't present is actually a complete reinforcement to one of the basic fundamental tenets of human performance. And that's the idea that workers aren't the problem to control. Workers are actually a solution to be understood and harnessed and, and, and move forward based upon that worker expertise. And the reason that's so is not because engaging workers is a good thing. Engaging workers is totally a good thing. There's no problem there. But the reason it's so is because the workers have this profound understanding of what the system looks like on a day-in and day-out basis. And typical work, I used to call it normal work, but I'm not sure what normal work is. I think the pandemic has made me change my mind on using the phrase normal, but typical work. And it goes back to something Eric Hollenegel talks about a lot, what's happening when nothing bad's happening. The idea of understanding typical work 
really allows us the ability to better discover how workers are constantly adapting to normal variability. And that notion of adapting to normal variability, that constant detection and correction, that's actually what we want to talk about today on the pod. And so the journey we're going to take today is really a journey that ends pretty simply, but it's a journey that starts with the question, why doesn't bad thing happen all the time? Let me try to use actual English. Why do bad things not happen all the time? Did that come out right? Why are, why are brittle systems not failing all the time? In fact, let's use the platonic notion of uncertainty. Plato said more bad things can happen than will happen. And that is the launching point for today's pre-accident podcast discussion. Sit back and relax because here we go. So let's start with this basic idea that is systems are constantly running degraded. That every system, because of entropy, entropy of biology, entropy of engineering, entropy of human factors, every system is running from order to chaos. And that's always true. And that baseline sort of, I mean, I guess, I, I can't imagine a case where people wouldn't recognize that and say, yeah, that's probably true. But if you don't recognize that, um, look around. Look at how your body changes as you age. <laughs> that's a really awful example that you have to deal with as you get older. But that's really the notion of entropy. So systems are moving from order to chaos. Every system runs degraded. And to a great extent, what we do as workers working in, in our workplaces is we actually compensate for the fact that the system's eroding. And, and, and we call that compensation a lot of words. But for this discussion, we'll call it sort of the ability to detect and correct adaptation. And adaptation is a phenomenon that appears within the system. It would be hard to tell people to do it. It would be really hard to write in a procedure. It, it's actually relatively hard to train them specifically on how to be adaptive. It's really a function of the emergent nature of the problem, of the system, and of the worker. So you've got all three things kind of aligning in such a way. The problem presents itself, some kind of off-normal occurrence. The system is understood by the operator who does the work. And then they engage experience. They can look at it and say, this has happened before and here's how we solved it. Or when this happens, I know it means this. I mean, there, there's lots of ways to fill in that blank. All of those things collectively come together to make this foundation. And that is that no matter how good your organization is, no matter how safe your company is, no matter how incredible your safety numbers are, your system's running towards failure because that's what systems do. Now, I guess you can look at that and say, oh, that's depressing. Oh, my gosh. Or you could look at it and say, wow, I'll have a job forever. <laughs> Either way is probably okay. Um, because I don't see it as necessarily a bad news story, nor do I see it as a good news story. It's just the story. It's the story of every system we work on. And so when you ask that question, how come brittle systems aren't failing all the time? Or Plato, why are more things possible to fail than they actually do fail? you're always going to come up with this idea that what keeps the world together really are people. So the belief that somehow our organization is inherently safe, that our steel mill or our car manufacturing plant or our bowling pin carving center, whatever it is you do, the belief that the facility is safe and people make it risky is really wrong. I, I, 
I don't know how we got to that belief, but we did get there. I'm guessing it was probably a logical outcome of understanding early on in this journey that behavior was the problem and that workers needed to be controlled, right? So you can go back to Frederick Taylor, or you can even look prior to that. You can ask Nietzsche if you get a chance to talk to him. You can look, look at that sort of the fundamental attribution disorder, the belief that somehow the people are weak and the system is strong. What we know and what we're learning, and I think complex systems have helped us learn this, uh, certainly global pandemics have helped us learn this, is that that fundamentally is flawed. And the research that's coming out of not only safety science, there's good research coming out of that, but really if you look at systems engineering, you look at resilience engineering, you look at economics, there's a lot of places to go to find research that supports this idea. And, And so it's not terribly foreign or even unusual. It's just sort of the starting place. It's the fact that begins every discussion. And it is inherently what you do for a living. I mean, that's what I do for a living, is I look at and think about the system. I know that it's slowly eroding and that more bad things can happen than will happen. And then I think about what this means and why adaptive workers make it safe. And that goes right back to that premise. The fundamental premise that the workplace is safe and the people are dangerous seems to be wrong or backwards. In fact, I would suggest that the workplace is inherently risky and evermore shall be so. Risk isn't going to go away. What's interesting is that people actually create safety in practice as an emergent quality of doing the work. And because it's an emergent quality, it's hard to write it in a procedure or make a rule or, you know, a, a guiding principle. It's just hard to make that because that's kind of a naturally occurring phenomena of the system itself, of a complex system. But that's not where I wanted to go. I mean, that's where I wanted to go. It's definitely where I'm going because we're talking about it. I actually think it behooves us to actually bring forth a phrase that a, a manager used internationally just this week in a conversation we were having about her systems and she runs big scary high risk heavy industrial work so there's lots of risk lots of ways to get hurt lots of ways to have explosions and fires and fatalities and serious consequence events lots of ways to injure people i mean they're all there everything that's necessary for a really good disasters in that workplace every single day what's interesting is that this manager very casually and very gracefully said something that I think bears repeating. And she said, the one thing I've learned on this journey to understanding systems eroding and brittleness and adaption and how workers function is that as leaders, we should be less interested in consequence and more interested in context. Boom. The world just changed. That's such a beautiful thought, and it's poignant, not because it's simplistic. It's not simplistic at all. In fact, there's lots there. There's tons there. That's a pretty weighty statement. It's beautiful in its elegance of helping a leader understand that the consequence isn't the thing you manage. The consequence is what happened. And we almost always identify consequence retrospectively, and it happened. 
what you manage, what you're a part of the guiding principles of your organization, what you create, what you help lead, what you fund and resource, what you leave room for is really the context. And it's in the context that those workers, the very ones we were talking about, it's in that context that they become adaptive. And events happen all the time. I mean, you're having events right now. As we listen and talk to each other today on your bike ride, or Jim, if you're out walking the dog, or, or wherever you are, events happen all the time. What's interesting is that for the most part, adaptive workers detect and correct for the failure before it has consequence. That is the capacity that we need. In fact, that's the capacity that we rely upon, that we count on. And actually building space, kind of hedging the outcome, putting a little extra in the savings account for when we need that capacity is vital to understanding how organizations are successful. But don't underestimate the power that that little phrase has. Be less interested in consequence and more interested in context. Because in a moment, I mean, seconds, that gives us a guiding understanding of what direction we should be moving. In fact, in my world, we used to call this the ho-ho test. I don't really know the origin of ho-ho test. If anybody knows it, tell me, because I'd be really curious. But we used to say, what is the test we'll use to actually understand the efficacy of this plan, of this idea? What is the ho-ho test? What's the validation and verification that all the planning and preparation we've done is actually value added? It, it makes a difference. Well, I would suggest now that I'm smarter because I talked to this person just this week, what I realized is that the ho-ho test we were secretly looking for is have we paid enough attention to the context? Because of course we want to manage consequence because that seems like the thing we manage. I mean, that seems like the really interesting part of the story. But in fact, what we know is the consequence is simply what happens. What we actually have influence around as organizations, and remember, organizations are us. We are the, I mean, who is the organization? It is us. It's, we make up the organization. What we actually have influence around as an organization is creating a context where workers can adaptively succeed, which means production, which means operations, which means quality, which means environment and safety and anything else you want to add in the critical things you manage that would fit in that list. This idea that we should be less interested in consequence and more interested in context is a guiding principle at a really, really fundamental level to help us understand the change that we're trying to facilitate philosophically around the globe in our organizations. That's what we do. That, I think, is the most interesting thing I've thought about for the week. 
I got lots of stuff to talk about. I mean, that's never a problem. I got a million things to talk about. But actually, the opportunity to share that moment with you is really ultimately where we want to go in our discussion. That, I think, makes a difference. In a world filled with uncertainty, we want to predict the future in order to prevent bad things from happening. The problem is, is that a world filled with uncertainty doesn't really allow us the benefit of prediction. And so, we head off into the great unknown with open hearts and strong intellects to change the world. When in reality, what we should be paying attention to is not the absence of the consequence, but the presence of the context. Bam! That's the sound of echoing stuff. What do you think about that? I've been thinking about that all week long. And I even bumped some uh, pre-recorded. Not that I pre-record these because I, I don't. I do them in real time. When you turn on the podcast, I'm actually sitting at my house saying this to you in live, real life action. But I actually moved some stuff to actually get this out there. I, I actually, this this idea, when that comment was made, I, it it seemed like the timing was right for the comment. I love the elegance of it. I love the brilliance of it. But what I liked is the way it made me think. And it made me think about a lot of things. I mean, a lot of things. And that's pretty cool. I mean, that that's kind of the goal of how everything's heading. So lots of things coming up on the podcast this year for sure. I still have a, I have one that I'm really excited to get out that I need to get out. Uh, I have to do a little work on it. But it's going to be really interesting. I've gotten kind of interested in food safety. But you know I would because I'm kind of interested in food. Uh, that's a very compelling part of the story for me. So I think I'll get that one out as fast as possible and make that happen. But there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And we've got some kind of big names that want to be on. Because, you know, anytime you got something to go out and talk about, this is a good place to talk about it. Because uh, you guys are making this podcast weirdly successful. Thank you for that. If I haven't thanked you in a while, I, I meant to. I forgot. Until then, I think that's going to be it. It's kind of a shorty, but I think this one's a good one. So comments are always welcome. If you got ideas for the podcast, I'm wide open. You guys make this thing go. And you're always thinking of really clever and interesting things to talk about. So I'm wide open. I'm here to listen. And anything we can do to make this better, I'm there for you. That is for sure. Until then, learn something new every single day. Bet you did today. The idea that we should manage or we should think more about context and consequence is pretty powerful, right? Have as much fun as you possibly can. Squeeze it into the fun cycle as fast and as furious as possible, right? Be good to each other. Be kind to each other. Check in on each other. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. <laughs>